welcome to Real History, episode 2 of season 1, our third episode if you count a pilot. My name is Hugh David and my co-host is... Jenna Pateman, I guess. Hello. <laughs> and we are, we are coming to you from bunkerzilla.co.uk and testing out this first season of the podcast. If you're listening to us, it, was, it is almost probably September. <laughs> we are recording this a little earlier in the year. And today we plan on discussing... Jenna's specialty, which is history of animation. History is one of my loves. Animation is one of my loves. So they kind of combine, but I wouldn't say it's a specialty. It's just oh, I think it's that fair. Kind of really interesting. That's what's a spe- that's the specialty. You could talk about it for hours with detail. So today we plan on discussing animation. So just to show you that real history, we cover everything. Um, yes. However, many people are going to wonder why are we covering this particular set of animations. So let's start. Jenna, by giving people some background and some information. So please tell people who aren't aware, what were the Censored Eleven? What are the Censored Eleven? The Censored Eleven are a group of cartoons that were made between the years of 1931 and 1944. They were all produced by Warner Brothers and were a mixture of their merry melodies Mm -hmm. and Looney Tunes, uh, which obviously are their sort of flagship names in their shorts department. Looney Tunes contained stuff like Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, I'm a third, those famous sort of characters, while the mm-hmm. melodies were trying to uh, take some of the ideas from Disney were doing with their silly sympathies, mm-hmm. but make them a bit more edgy, because right, yeah. Warner Brothers, they tried to market edgy rather than mm. family fun, which Disney tried to do. So... These cartoons were pulled in 1968, basically due to the reason that the racist undertone... Well, not undertones, because no, it's they're not just exactly the racism. <laughs> just racism themes are basically, if you try and cut any of it out, there's nothing left of yeah, the short. Pretty um, much. Yeah. Well you, have, you, you, well, you have to literally redraw them. And that's yeah. pretty much what happened in that in that people who weren't aware, people who grew up after the uh, censoring, the removal, the pulling of them from circulation, uh, people like myself who were kids in the seventies, what we saw full color versions, of, which when you now look at the original black and white, when you're going, oh wait, that's the story I remember seeing later on redone. Yeah. And instead of it being a black character who's caricatured in a in a, in a racist way, it's Yeah, so many of the cartoons in general of this area do have very problematic themes and moments, uh, including things like smoking, alcohol, uh, graphic violence, and just general jokes that we'd find distasteful. That includes racism, Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic jokes, Orientalism, uh, sexist jokes as well. But with a lot of the cartoons, these little bits could be cut out and made acceptable for modern audiences because obviously there's going to be episodes of like Chom and Jerry where Tom is smoking and so you can quickly cut that out and it's just back to the fun cat and mouse antics. But as I said, these 11 shorts are just so racist that they can't be cut down at all mm-hmm. because you have nothing left. So the 11, the first one was made in 1931. Mm-hmm. And it's called Hitting the Trail for Hallelujah Land. And this was the only one that was made in black and white. 
It was a, I'm going to put in abbreviated commas, a Mm -hmm. parody of Steamboat Willie. Mm -hmm. To me, knowing what Steamboat Willie is, it is basically a rip-off of Steamboat Willie. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. there are some interesting animation gags in it, but that's mm-hmm. about it. And it's pretty much a ripoff of Steamboat Willie, right up to the point where they have a Uncle Tom character randomly go into a graveyard mm-hmm. and be scared by skeletons. And it's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> because we want to show that we are doing exactly what made that thing so successful last time. Yeah, it's like, this makes no sense. This the Graveyard doesn't exist in the original Steamboat Willie. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. And it's just, okay, let's have some random skeleton singing. Great. Part of me makes me wonder if it's meant to be a mixture of just a load of Disney piss takes. Mm. Because um, the dancing skeletons were one of the silly symphonies. So I'm wondering Mm. if they're trying to reference that. But especially to modern audiences who may not be familiar with so many cartoons mm-hmm. that would be completely lost so it's just a random jaunt into a graveyard i mean but that was the thing wasn't it for for kids like myself seeing you know a lot of these cartoons that randomness wasn't random it was just what happened and we yeah. i think it's one of the i think it's one of the reasons that as we grew up it made it more um i think it made it easier for us to enjoy surreal yeah, film and television and comics because that sense of oh look, we're just going to suddenly be in a graveyard and stuff's happening. You know, you watch horror films and all of a sudden that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you we you you get people these days who review a film and they run around going, but why does this happen? And why does this happen? And why does it happen? When we were younger, yeah, you grow up watching stuff like Looney Tunes and Mary Melodies. You don't ask that question. No, you watch a movie, you're like, oh, they're in a graveyard now. They must have turned a corner in between two shots that got edited together. You know, you don't worry about that, and and I think that's another piece of the the critical puzzle that's missing for a lot of people these days. Is if you didn't grow up watching those cartoons, so let's say you grew up watching like dialogue heavy comedy animation, the kind that's been popular since the nineties on Cartoon Network, and and uh, you know all those sorts of things, you grow up with a very different kind of animation. And while the people who made those remember the sort of thing we're talking about today. There's mm. still, there's still, the the surreality is less in the random changes of scenery and plotting, and and is built more into the kind of character design and the uh, the um, the the dialogue and all that sort of thing. And yeah. so I reckon that you, if you're going to understand older live action film, it helps understand the cartoons as well. I think yeah, the two work well together. Yeah, especially because these were put before a lot of films. Yes. Um, or they yeah. would be part of a like newsreel, couple of cartoons, couple of live action shorts, just a mixture of things because people would just go to the cinema for like a couple of hours mm. in those sort of times. So the second one uh, was made in 1936 and it's mm-hmm. Sunday Go to Meeting Time, which is the first one which is kind of like it's a moral story because everyone's going to church, everyone is a black stereotype of some kind, to the fact of they're using a black man's head as the dong inside the bell and stuff. They're shining 
baby's heads. They're using a bra as a bonnet. It's like, oh, okay. And the main character is basically the one guy in the town or village that doesn't want to go to church because he'd rather be gambling which Mm -hmm. is a theme you'll see throughout these cartoons is gambling and he's kind of like depicted as a sambo um explain what that means for our listeners because not everyone i'm old enough to remember that term and they had it used against me i don't think there's a lot of people around who will have no idea what that term means and what it and why it's out there Oh, um... And also, just to make it clear to our uh, esteemed uh, uh, r- uh, radio station host and producer, yes, it is a racist term, but we are using it within a histor- historical context, and there are quote marks around it. Yes. <laughs> just to make sure, <laughs> for any people who might be listening and say, wait, doesn't that breach the rules of British radio? <laughs> Yeah, um, not in this case because we're being we're doing we're doing history here, folks. Yeah, um, a lot of the time when you if you ever decide to go to university and do history, you are going to be coming up against a lot of problematic language that you are going to have to deal with, especially if you study American history and British history in general as well. It's something you have to get over Mm -hmm. now. These terms still make me feel uncomfortable, like a certain N-word as well. I've had to say out loud in class because I've had to read from primary sources. But we still need to recognise that these are horrible, horrible words. So, Sambo is kind of a play on a Spanish word of Zanbo, and then mixed up with English it became Sambo. It kind of sort of... It's kind of this look of a character. It's this sort of slow... African-American with the big lips and sort of looks like a monkey. It's horrible and it makes me cringe and it's Mm -hmm. disgusting. But this is the thing to understand. Whenever you hear someone, because there are still, and we're going to talk about this later today, there are still animation fans and geeks here today in this world currently on YouTube and elsewhere online talking about how this is perfectly fine. (laughs) We need, because it's still, because even though it's exaggerated, it still represents black features it's just exaggerated and they argue that the other people and the other creatures in the same thing are also uh exaggerated and that just somehow justifies it notice to all of these people no it doesn't no you might be okay with who you are being exaggerated and i bet you you're not if i actually bothered to exaggerate you but leaving that aside for one moment those people with those features do not accept that as a representation of themselves, so no. go hang. <laughs> Sorry, a yes. little bit of anger there, can't help it. Well, you've got a very valid reason to be. Yeah. But I'm, your description is spot on. I think it's very important that people who've never seen this or never or aren't aware that this is what it's called understand what this particular form of, of racist depiction is. And it's nicknamed Sambo because that is the word that was used at that time to describe people. There's an origin to the word that I can't remember off the top of my head right now while we're talking, but I'll put it in the notes for people to go and look at mm. and check on. Yeah, so this character it then gets dragged to church by a mammy character who is another racist stereotype of the big sort of angry black mother kind of thing. If anyone's seen the Tom and Jerry cartoons, the woman that's always shouting, Thomas, is basically a mammy character that you only see from the feet down. Yes. Kind of, well, yeah, and, up. and even as, and as a kid, I kind of thought to myself, hmm, mm. when I saw that, you know? Mm. <laughs> mm. So... 
the guy escapes from church. He's like, nope, not having any of this. And then goes to steal a chicken. It's like, okay. He then gets knocked out by a piece of fence and goes to a sort of very trippy hell sort of sequence where he's his crimes are shooting crabs, stealing chickens, missing church, raising dickens, and then stealing watermelons. And it's like, oh, God, guys, seriously? A long list of stereotypical elements. Yes. And it's where there's a song, uh, Got to Give Us the devil his due which is actually Mm -hmm. quite a good song (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then that scares him enough that when he wakes back up he goes straight to church and it's like yep i'm completely reformed you know and there's the the, somewhere in there is a parody of the blues themselves and i think when you when you say oh you know this sounds yeah, well, it's 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 actually a partway decent song. Actually, I think that's part of the reason. I think is because so much of modern popular music worldwide is fundamentally based on American black blues form. Yeah. So you can go back to something this old, and and it feels kind of like, oh, okay, actually, that's that. You know, everything else is wrong about this, but the music. But at the, but I wonder if at the time, if we saw it at the time, I wonder if it would sound like a parody. Mm, yeah. Of it. I don't know. I don't know. It makes me wonder. It does make me wonder. Yeah, because, again, we have to remember that we're looking at these from modern eyes. Exactly. We're, we're living in 2019. Uh, some of these cartoons will be reaching 100 in a couple of years' time. And also the fact of some of these are actually public domain now as well. Oh, wow. Because they haven't bothered reissuing the license because mm-hmm. they don't want to which yeah. is fair enough. But mm-hmm. the fact of their public domain and no one's really gone, look, all of them on DVD <laughs> kind of said something. So the next episode, again, is another sort of religious-based one. It's called Clean, Clean Pastures, and it came out again in 1937. Right. It's based on green pastures, which is something I haven't seen, so I don't know much about that. But it sort of opens up with looking at Harlem and the dance scene and gambling again and drinking and dancing, which looks like great fun, I will say. Um, (laughs) And then they go up to heaven where the Gabriel, who's depicted as a black angel, which is quite nice. Yeah, uh, that makes a change. Yeah. Wow, uh, we, f- we just found a positive <laughs> representation of colour in a racist cartoon. <laughs> I- I'll talk a bit more about the problems this cartoon got into afterwards. Sure, okay, carry on. Um, so, you see above the sign for heaven, it says, Pair O Dice. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. 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 Like, really, guys? <laughs> yeah. And there were there were too many people sinning because everyone's going to Harlem to dance oh, and drink. Oh, for goodness sake. And so he contacts another angel who uh, is another Sambo character with the slow voice. He just wants to play his trumpet. And they send him down to try and speak to the people in Harlem about repenting and giving up their ways and it has a sign that says paradise needs you and it includes great food travel opportunities watermelon 
Jeez, man. Some of this stuff is just so bad you have to laugh of what you'd cry. Because it's just terrible. Then four other angels contact uh, Gabriel and just say, look, to attract these people, you need better music. And they are all impressions of black musicians at times. So there's like Louis Armstrong, Cab Calloway, those sort of people. The greats. The greats, basically. <laughs> Sorry, in my view. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll get on to Cab Calloway later. Oh, I love that. I love that. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's okay. You were saying. I'm very passionate about animation. For people that don't know me and Hugh, we actually met due to animation. That's um, also a good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. That is exactly how we met. Yeah, it might have been Japanese animation. It's still animation. Yes, I am a big fan of all animation. I love, I just love the art form. It's a big deal to me. I share a lot of animation with my daughter, not these cartoons. I just think it's an unappreciated art form for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And just, oh, it's just kids stuff. And it's like, no, it really isn't. A lot of animation can tackle very adult themes Mm -hmm. and even if it is family fair. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, animation needs it to be recognised more uh, by things like the Academy because there's only the, oh, death animated feature, there we go, you can have that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, some of these films, like I would say Into the Spider-Verse from last year, deserve to be in that best picture category because they're stunning and they're better than some of the live action films that came out that year. So yeah, going back to the racist stuff rather than great films like uh, Into the Mm Spider-Verse, can we talk about that instead? No, keep going. (laughs) Another time. In another podcast because this is a history podcast. (laughs) Well, if anyone wants to go see good Black representation, go watch. Yeah, it's <laughs> into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, anything that puts Miles Morales on screen is always in out. We're in favour of. Yes. Going back to Clean Pastures, I will say a lot of the music, again, is very good. But you can tell the impressions are being done by a white man. Mm. And because they are that very exaggerated tone. I think it's Mel Brooks still. Okay. Mel, uh... He's the voice of Bugs Bunny, isn't he? Um, I didn't know that. Uh, let me have a look. Wow. I'm just going to double check because I don't want to be wrong on that. You'd think on a Bugs Bunny cartoon it would have the voices. But well, I... no, I don't ever remember as a kid. I mean, there were some really, really fast credits towards the end. But I tend not to... I don't remember there being a lot of information about... Yeah, when we were growing up, I don't remember there being a lot of that sort of thing. So, yeah. Mel Blanc, that's it, not Mel Brooks. Uh, it's an important <laughs> distinction, that. Very important distinction, that. Mel Brooks is a very different person. Absolutely right. And someone will, I hope we will cover at some point on this, because, oh, some of his films are great. Um, mm-hmm. Well, most of his films are great. So, uh, you have Mel Blanc, who did uh, a lot of the voices for all of the characters. Now, Mel Blanc had a contract with Warner Brothers that he would be the only person credited on the films because they weren't going to pay him that what he wanted. Mm. So that is why he... You can tell it's a white man doing all the voices. Because mm-hmm. um, it is. So basically, uh, going back to the cartoon, it finishes with 
everyone's done their music and yep. all it's attracted all the people of Harlem and they follow them to heaven and get their halos and everyone is happy because yep. heaven is full again. Hooray. And then right at the end, the devil decides to come up to heaven and is allowed in. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but this is where it gets interesting. I mean, this this is where I find it interesting because I can see how there is a cultural aspect being represented here that even to this day doesn't get represented often enough yeah. in representations of American black culture, which is the religious aspect, the community aspect. The, the, that's a really important um, part of a lot of daily lives of people there, but it's often... Uh, eschewed in favour of representations of gangs and criminals and yeah. all that sort of thing. And so I can see why creating a, going for this kind of blues myth, Christian myth type of tale might be seen as being respectful. Yeah. And the idea that they even go so far as to include the New Testament view um, with the devil being allowed in at the end because ultimately... God created everything, including the devil, and you know Jesus says we have to forgive everybody. So you know, that notion that the, that even the devil can be forgiven, yeah, mm. is really radical in terms of doing something in a cartoon. However, that doesn't change the visual representation, no, of it all, <laughs> no. which is the problem we've got with it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this they wouldn't have had the term at the time, but we would call cult- cultural appropriation. They're taking the aspects of what they like about black culture and giving them to white audiences with these caricatures. Yeah, I think. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think that might. I, I, I I have debates about what is properly cultural appropriation in definition mm. terms, but I will. uh, I take your point that I think it's one way to look at it in this context. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking the bits that they like and Mm -hmm. just cherry picking culture. Yeah, and... but then still representing it in an awful way. <laughs> yes, um, the caricatures are disgusting, and it's just like really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the amount of times I'm going to say "really" on this podcast. Ah, we're going to hear it a lot. <laughs> so uh, the next cartoon was Uncle Tom's Bungalow, so mm-hmm. which is based on the old Uncle Tom stories. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like made about uh, slavery, basically, and it depri- uh, depicts even whipping uh, again more caricatures. For some reason, it takes four minutes to introduce every single character mm-hmm. at the beginning, which is like going, oh, how are you, this person? Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Let's start the story. And it's like, okay, why? Okay. Uncle Tom says to the slave seller, my body may belong to you, but my soul belongs to Warner Brothers. <laughs> buys a slave and we're meant to be happy about this oh glory um to use that sort of phrase they'd use back then yeah. that's terrifying that's um, horrific i will say the little white girl is holding hands with a little black girl and they're skipping together so hey which one's the slave <laughs> yeah the slave seller comes back because they're past due with the money to pay for the slave uh-huh. That's the thing that's that they've got wrong in this situation. Oh no! Uh-huh. Um, 
So it is really nice at one point they're running away from him and you see him get electrocuted. I'm uh-huh. like, I like that bit. Yeah. And then yeah. um, Uncle Tom turns up in a massive car. Uh, they say, the narrator says, oh, have you collected on your social security check? Like, Aye. Okay. And then you see that Uncle Tom earns a ton of money and pays, him, pays off the slave seller. And so he leaves him alone. And then you see the money was earned by loaded dice. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just... Guys. Just mad. Yeah. So so ultimately, right, mm-hmm. so, you, you you know, your fascination with these cartoons as a historian mm-hmm. comes not simply from the representation which, as historians, we recognise is very much in keeping with the kind of people who made these things at the time but yeah. we all, but is also partly about the 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 very the fact that these were pulled eventually but it took them 20 years yeah. so let, let's we've got a little bit of time let's fill in briefly for the for our audience why it took 20 years but also what changed because what's happening in America in those 20 years is vital it's absolutely crucial yeah cuz you i would say the biggest couple of things would be the Second World War, which a couple of these cartoons, which uh, are later like uh, Cold Black and the Seven Dwarfs and Tin Can Alley Cat, were made as propaganda, and you can see that. And so that actually led to a lot of upward movement for black people because the white men went to go fight. So, mm-hmm. um, Which we both know is not true, but there you go. Yeah, I know. That's what they like to sell us with. I know. I will say uh, the one Bugs Bunny cartoon on this list, which is All That and Rabbit Stew, Mm -hmm. is interesting for giving a hunter who is blackface and the Sambo again Mm -hmm. um, a gun. Which, when you know how much Americans have problems with black people having guns... (laughs) It's it's, kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Especially when during the first and I think some of the Second World War, they wouldn't give black soldiers guns, mm-hmm. especially if they're in the European fighting, mm-hmm. because they didn't want them to get used to killing white people. Mm. That was that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's uh... <laughs> so. Then uh, you did have the. NC, oh, I can't remember the acronym. NCAAP. That's it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, the National Association of Coloured People, um, basically, they would actually boycott a lot of these cartoons. Yes. Um, Because they were about, they they were an association that was not just about rights, it was about representation. Yes. Uh, They also protested Birth of a Nation, Mm -hmm. which would have come out 1915, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So that was what, 20 years ago from when these films were coming out. They have been around a long time and they protested every single one of these, which good on them. Uh, Even during the Second World War, because they were like, look, even though the Second World War is going on, we don't want to say this is still not, it's not as important as the Second World War. Mm-hmm. So, which is a very brave stance, and I'm like, brilliant. Some of these did come up against what was called the Hayes Code. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one we discussed, uh, Clean Pastures, 
apparently they got a very long letter back saying this is not acceptable because you're depicting angels as black people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's like, okay. In another one, Jungle Jitters, a, the tri- tribe is ruled by a white woman because they can't have... The white character, who's a salesman, is uh, kind of chased by her to marry her. And you can't have an interracial couple. So it makes colonisation jokes as well. And it's like, oh dear. So the biggest thing that came to these was the civil rights movement. Uh, So most people know about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, very important figures, protests, the sit-ins, the direct action basically against Mm -hmm. what are called Jim Crow laws, which were the segregationist laws that they had down mostly in the South, but... Across a number of states, yeah. Yeah, just because... The North didn't have these rules, didn't mean it wasn't still racist. Because a lot of people in the North were like, look at us, we're not racist. It's like, yes, you are. Um, (laughs) So you had, uh, and the Freedom Buses, and this was during the hippie movement as well. You had a lot of movements in general. So like the women's movement was getting going mm-hmm. and yep. feminism and the black movement and more Asian movements in general. And mm-hmm. it was a time of change. I yes. would say it's also it's when... one of the most important times of change anywhere in the world. Yes. Because it would influence other parts of the world. Yeah. And it's also when Democrats and Republicans kind of flipped Mm-hmm. as well because democrats are the ones that brought through the uh civil rights uh amendment mm-hmm. and republicans then seized on that to try and speak to racist people in the south saying hey come vote for us instead they got rid of your history mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah not that we see that happening today no, no. We're, we're not, not going to... to talk about parallels just yet we'll leave that to our audience to work out for themselves because yes. we respect your intelligence as an audience <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. So, basically, your United, not United, um, associate artists decided that they were going to take these cartoons out of circulation Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they, as I mentioned earlier, you can't cut these to make them more modern. Yeah. Um, They are... As you can see by me telling the stories of what happens in a lot of these cartoons, mm-hmm. obviously I'm not going to go through all of them. The only other one I will really talk about in a minute is um, Cole Black and the Seven Dwarfs uh, yeah. because I wrote a whole essay on that. Yeah, exactly. So the... What was I saying? Sorry. That's I forgot okay. my point. Um we're giving in the people the background of the 20 years prior up to the Thank decision you. to pull these from circulation. Yeah. So they made the move to say these are not going back into circulation. They're not going to be put on TV uh, now that TV is also coming up as a big thing. Um, they are. They say they're not going to be distributed, but mm-hmm. apparently I can't find what videos they're on. Mm-hmm. But apparently they did appear on some video- VHS releases. Yes. There was, uh, it was, because at the time there was still a sense that 
there was some historical value to having yeah. these available for things like discussion like we're doing now yeah. and so forth and so on. But obviously that's, you know, that's kind of... It's, that's one of the great arguments about these sorts of things, isn't it? Do we have it out there or not? Should we have it out there or not? You know. Yeah. Um, so, my opinion in this is that, well, the only time that these cartoons have actually been officially released is through uh, Warner Brothers showing them at a cinema in 2010. Mm-hmm. And they showed them all together and... Th- that was it. That's the only time they've been officially shown. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean other racist cartoons have been not shown. Mm-hmm. Like Bugs Bunny Nips the Nips, uh, which is a piece of propaganda from the Second World War, which is just full of horrible Asian stereotypes mm-hmm. and is terrible. Has been shown on Cartoon Network during a Bugs Bunny marathon. Yes. So you have these senses eleven, but you don't have you still haven't got rid of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, also a lot of animation fans cry about out about the fact that uh, things are being cut to make them more sensible, um, more palatable for modern audiences. And you can find a lot of the cu- uncut cartoons on DVD. But there are always things on the DVD that says... Um, so, uh, the cartoons you're about to see are products of their time. They may pre- depict some of the ethnic and racial pre- uh, prejudices that were commonplace in American societies. These descriptions are wrong then and are wrong now. Uh, while the following does not represent Warner Brothers' view of today's society, these cartoons were presented as they were originally created because to do other so would be, be the same as claiming that they didn't exist. Hmm. Which I think, it that is my stance. I think we need to talk about these cartoons. We need to talk about um, the terribleness of the... Um, caricatureness, the, the stereotyping. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing. Let, 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 let's we're coming up to the point where we need to discuss uh, real versus real, and I think we've yeah. given people back, and I think you've just raised the absolute right point um, to, to, to to segue us in. Basically, mm. um, caricature elements is just you know this is the point of it all so so what real versus real you know why are we doing these 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 pieces of these actual historical artifacts which is what they are now yeah in a show where we try to examine fictionalization of history well that's because these are fictional representations of actual periods of time and the fact they were done at the time means that we get a, a, a lens on that particular era and being historians, therefore, we're treating these as, as primary sources, and they represent... But they're media. They're mediatized. They are representations of what the people who made them perceive mm. around them. So, 
if the people and the and while some of the animators involved claimed to not be racist and to be giving representation to people who were unrepresented at the time, yeah, like uh, with Cole Black, uh, mm-hmm. which is the cartoon I've looked into the most, which I haven't really talked about, uh, which is a parody of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs that had recently come out from Disney. Um, the voice actors were actually black. Uh, which was a big deal, but they were uncredited due to Mel Blanc getting that single credit because of all that other stuff. Um, and apparently um, the director, so the director was, sorry, I'm okay. forgetting names, Robert Bob Clampett. Mm, uh, who Clampett's is, very famous. He is one of the big ones of... Um, animation he has done many many of the uh classic cartoons mm-hmm. um i've got a book uh which is one of my favorite books which i've actually recently gone through with evie and i'm gonna be showing her a few of the cartoons in here which is called the 50 greatest cartoons and it's selected by a thousand animation professionals so these are historians they are animators they're directors they're all different people and they're all shorts Mm -hmm. and uh so number one in it is uh sorry i'm just go for it we're we're historians you've got to take the time to reference Yes. (laughs) Uh, hey listeners this is how it actually works (laughs) yes um which is a cartoon i hope most people have heard of what's opera doc yeah uh, which is a Chuck Jones cartoon, uh, which is put to <sighs> Ragnar's music, and it is stunning. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a thing showing you can make a wonderful cartoon without uh, going to racist stereotypes. Yeah. Um, in this book, uh, number where is it? I love this book, but uh, nope, that's not it. There it is. Number 21 is called Black and Seven Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of defend it by saying, uh, no one would suggest that these cartoons depicting sexist or racist stereotypes should be shown indiscriminately on Saturday morning's children's shows, but it'd be foolish to sanitise our history and make believe that these cartoons and that era never existed. Mm-hmm. One of the values of the trove of animated cartoons is the depiction of their times. Every national event, trend and fad is reflected in them. From the depression to the gas rationing, from censorship to liberation movements. These cartoons are racist because the country was racist. To remove the, any material that would now be obscene as objectable would be to divorce the cartoons from their very identity and to remove one of the most important features of a genre as a whole. It's like... I sort of agree with that. I think these cartoons do need to be viewed. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that future generations see these cartoons. That's why I actually think they should release these on DVD. The problem... or blu-ray or whatever Mm -hmm. but they have to do it in such a way that they have the statement that i read out a little bit earlier at the beginning uh, not at the beginning but a little about 10 minutes ago Mm -hmm. uh stating what these are uh these and staying there for educational material like stuff like birth of nation is now Mm -hmm. because 
some of these cartoons, in my opinion, would have been totally forgotten because they are so... <sighs> they're rubbish. They're mm-hmm. absolute crap. Uh, there is maybe one or two funny jokes. That's it. Uh, they are. They don't belong in my very happy book, which I will, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to cuddle right now. I love it. Um, I. It's one of the few books that, when I was researching this topic for an essay, I actually bought so I could have my own copy. Yeah. And because most of these cartoons are ones I want to share with my daughter. Because yeah. um, I realised when starting to research this po- uh, this for this subject. I've not shown my daughter a Bugs Bunny cartoon, and that is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't... Um, she's seen Betty Boop. Uh, she's seen uh, Steamboat Willie. Um, so I've been showing her that. Um, but I need to show her some more of the classics. Um, actually, mentioning Steamboat Willie is a good point to also mention... This wasn't just happening at Warner Brothers. This was happening at every single animation studio. Um, places like Disney, although they made more family-friendly fare in abbreviated commas, still had depicted racial characters. Like, uh, there was a character cut out of Fantasia called Sunflower, mm-hmm. uh, who was what would be referred to as a pickaninny. Uh, the little... Slave girl with the big lips again and the sort of braided hair and she was there just, she was a babe, a little centaur only serving the pretty white centaurs mm-hmm. and doing their hooves and stuff and she was cut out of all future releases. You have the crows from Dumbo which have not been cut out which the main one is called Jim Crow and it's just like, oh no kind of thing mm-hmm. um it, again the siamese cats from lady and the tramp uh the uh asian joke from uh aristocats it is not just warner brothers who were making this edgy content it was countrywide it was media wide it was everywhere yeah. i mean the first ever talkie uh, film, as they called them then, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, the jazz singer, which is famous for its depiction of blackface. Yes, and if it wasn't for again the fact of it was the first ever talkie, mm-hmm. I think again that film would be forgotten. Well, well, this is this is where it gets interesting. It becomes a question of this is where we we ourselves as historians and and the discussion about real versus real becomes quite important it's it's why yeah. we're doing this podcast because ultimately you have to say well is there a point to keeping these things or should we allow things to gradually fade into history and i think mm. this is really an interesting question so yeah i think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves at this point is um in studying them and discussing these cartoons are we in some way uh continuing to perpetuate their effect hundred, nearly 100 years later. Uh, I don't think we are, because we're trying to analyse them, mm. and we're trying to contextualise them and use them themselves to help understand context. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, the fact that there are people on YouTube right now who you can go and watch telling you why some of these aren't that bad and not a big deal Yeah. makes you wonder if they even understand 
you know what you and I are trying to say here about context you know yeah. it's not that the people who made it thought it was okay and that they knew some people or they asked some people who said oh yeah okay that's fine it's about whether or not it was the best way to represent those people who agreed to be involved e.g. musicians or whoever yeah. and whether or not it was disrespectful now the fact that the argument about everyone being caricatured in these things be it a rabbit be it a person I don't think sufficiently holds water because, you you know, just because you caricature everybody, there are decisions you make in the process of drawing a caricature. You make design choices of Mm. what what are the things you exaggerate. I Uh, think you can easily make a caricature of someone of colour without being racist. You absolutely can, because we see it all the time now in modern animation, Yeah. particularly animation made by black creators. So yes. it is possible. You're absolutely right. And so therefore, that's what, that undermines that argument. Mm. And so in that sense, these historical artifacts are more, are, represent a real history in terms of understanding who the people behind it were and understanding what the people they are misrepresenting went through. So, so that's where I think... The value of these and whether or not they contain real history in them, despite being child-aimed fantasies, Mm. um, I think actually we can award them quite a high score because these are, you know, we're talking about genuine artifacts which provide us with an understanding of the past in a greatly detailed way, but which are also subject to... um, you know, which which are being argued over in this day and age, and I think that provides us with a sense of how important they are, historically yeah. speaking. Now, whether or not that's about the content is another matter in the sense that you, you can argue something is important historically, even if it's you have issues with what is inside it, which is what we're doing. And so the yes. fiction bit, yeah, that you could say these are 100% fiction. Yeah. You could argue that, but... We're both saying that actually the choice to caricature certain people a certain way and the meta references, the kind of Tarantino-esque way of referring back to other films, is very Mm. much of that period. Yes. So that, I think, allows us to give it, I don't know, do you want to give it 40% history, 50%? I I feel quite strong, I feel quite strongly that we can give it a a, a good score here. Yeah, I I agree. It's... (laughs) What do you think? These these are primary sources. Mm-hmm. That's what we've got to remember. Uh, these are artifacts, as you said, of the time. Uh, they are little time capsules. Yeah. Once they're made, apart from like when you cut them a bit, they're yeah. not going to change. Yes. Um, now, I think by discussing them, I don't think all of our audience would have known about them. Yeah. So we have mentioned them to people and this is going to make their life longer, if that makes sense. That yeah, it's going to prolong people... the, time they're in, the length of time they're in the discussion. Yeah. But to me, that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. as well because they need to, to, as my book said, to hide these away would be like saying that the country was never racist mm-hmm. when it really, really was. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, people try and argue that Britain was never racist, and it's like, uh, as two people that live here right now. Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so, and... so, what kind of score do you want to give them then? 
I'll say more to sort of like 75, maybe. Ooh, okay. I've, okay, so you say I 75, got, I'm in the I've, 40, 50. I'll tell you what, I'll come up to 60. <laughs> that okay. makes it closer. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it is because I'm a fan of animation. Uh, of course. If there was one cartoon I admire from the slot, it is called Black and Seven Dwarfs mm-hmm. uh, because there is a lot of artistry in it. It's different. It's war propaganda, which I am very interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, if people want to check out more propaganda, find Daffora's Face, where you get to see Donald Duck as a Nazi. It is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is actually quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, and not just as a, look, Donald Duck's a Nazi. It mm-hmm. is generally actually quite funny with its slapstick humour. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got to also remember these were made in a time when there were people still alive who had suffered from slavery. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln, uh, Amendment 30, 13, mm-hmm. which ended slavery for everyone that isn't in jail. Yep. Uh, which, again, is another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, is less than 100 years old. Yeah. There are going to be adults walking around who watch these films, like uh, Uncle Tom's Bungalow, Mm -hmm. who were born slaves or actually remember working on plantations. It's important to note that something like the Holocaust Mm -hmm. is less than 100 years old still. Sensible people do not make jokes about stuffing Jewish people into ovens. Mm -hmm. Or we don't make jokes that are insensitive about the Holocaust because mm-hmm. we see it as a the truly horrific event it was. Slavery is another one of those sort of events uh, yeah. that is truly disgusting. And yes, Britain abolished it first, but we still had a massive part to play in it and we cannot ignore that. And mm-hmm. that is something that I think a lot of, I'm not going to say teachers, but the curriculum tries to ignore. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I'm like I won't stand for. That's well. There's a whole unit yeah. in there that can be taught at either year seven or year eight, and I've taught it many a time uh, mm-hmm. on slavery itself. The, pro- the the problem isn't the existence of it. The problem is um, when schools opt not to teach that unit because they don't have to. There are other units you can teach. You know, it should be. It shouldn't have to be an option. No. And you and other schools have found a way around that because, of course, we have to teach the we we it's mandatory to teach the industrial revolution. Yeah. So you quite often you can work it in there via empire and so forth. Yeah. You know, the, the, but but the point is you shouldn't have to do that. That dedicated unit should just be standard. See, I remember because me being in secondary school, I'm thirty one now, so that was well, I was in secondary school twenty years ago. I do not remember being taught about slavery, which is something that I learned by myself just because I have an interest in history. Mm. Um, And the darkest bits of history kind of fascinate me the most, which Mm -hmm. I think that's just a historian thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it does. I think a lot of us, it's a thing. Yeah, uh, it's like why I make the joke occasionally, don't worry, I'm a historian when I'm reading a dodgy ass book. Yeah, absolutely Um, right. Like uh, buying a copy of Mein Kampf from a charity shop and just being like, I'm a historian, I need this for my degree. Yep, but that also puts you on a security list somewhere, just so you know. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. Just just saying. Yeah. I haven't read the whole thing, I've just taken clips No, no, but the point is, but again, it comes back to our point about, you know, studying these things and so forth. Yeah, and... 
we need to under we need to take primary sources and we need to keep them and we need to keep them in a decent enough quality to make sure that they stay relevant. We don't put them out on Saturday morning cartoon time. We show them in a sensible educational way. Like Disney and Warner Brothers have both done for their shorts, they have made um, DVD collections that have warnings on them. They have documentaries about them. Uh, both companies have war propaganda DVDs. I actually mm-hmm. own one that I bought off um, our wonderful Ian Bolton. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yay. I, I actually still need to watch that, but I will be. Um, it's And they're collector's editions. They are expensive. So they are not... For mass consumption, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's the way that these should be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should be shown in A-level standard, um, university standard classrooms. Mm-hmm. Maybe GCSE, that's because that's when kids get to opt into learning about history rather than being it a full subject if that makes these yep. these kids are going to be more interested in history than most yeah but again it's the way we teach them it's like uh in my area in gloucestershire uh there's a massive uh debate going on about kill- to kill a mockingbird mm-hmm. um because of the use of the n-word and some parents have taken objection to it and now people are arguing whether or not it should be taught in schools. Missing completely the point of the book. Yes. Idiots. And by completely ignoring that word, mm-hmm. again, it's pretending it never happened. Yeah, which is ridiculous. You don't just sweep this under the rug. No. You have to recognise it and understand it to build on it and move on from it. Mm. So, on that positive note, which I think yeah. is a good note to wrap things up on, where just, can Alice... Was, go on. I was just very quickly, to see some actual good representation of black people in cartoons from this era, uh, Betty Boop and Minnie the Moocher, which mm-hmm. actually features Cab Calloway in a singing role and he is starring in it. Fantastic. Uh, they actually... Um, there's a term called rotoscoping, where they draw, draw over the people dancing. Yep. To make uh, it's how they did a lot of the sequences in Disney films. That's mm-hmm. why they look so realistic. Um, and they drew over him, so the characters actually have his movements, which are amazing. And it's his orchestra playing all the music as well. Okay. Um, there are again some anti-Semitism in the uh- beginning. But the rest of it, it's a cartoon I have actually shown to my daughter because I think it's a piece of artistry. Um, The other thing I will mention is that there are some people trying to take the style back. Um, Jay-Z, the rapper, has released a song called The Story of OJ, Mm -hmm. which is exploring uh, black history and Mm -hmm. also uh, debating about, like... um, wealth in black communities as well Mm -hmm. and the video is made all with these stereotypical caricatures Mm -hmm. and it is a really interesting watch and does actually have one of the best couple of seconds in the song which is where he says the famous line from oj i'm not black i'm oj Mm -hmm. he pauses for a couple of seconds and then just goes okay kind of thing and i just (laughs) 
that because if you understand anything about the history from that time, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. There's a positive representation of the time to counterbalance things so people can go away. Look at that. Where can they yeah. find you online? Uh, at Nadesco Kitty, which is my Twitter handle. Thank you very much. Uh, next episode, we will pro- possibly be still treading in f- fictional waters. Maybe uh, it might be mm. live action, it might be animation. You'll have to tune in to find out. Yes. So have a listen, and uh, we will see you next time.